Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. All right. Hey guys, welcome to Medicus. Uh, today we have kind of a special episode. We're sitting down with Dave. He's one of our me- newest members of our podcast. Yeah. Um, actually, he's not completely new. He's been here for a couple of <laughs> months now. But uh, so today we decided to sit down with him because he's actually got a pretty interesting story. And I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'm going to let him kind of tell you all a little bit about that. Um, but before we do that, I would also like to introduce Sean. Sean, welcome to the podcast. He's also one of our newest members. <laughs> Hello. Hello, people. Yeah. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Sean? And then. Uh... I I'm M1. Uh, got into Stretch to Sear. It's amazing. I'm. I feel very grateful that I'm here. Um, I I would love to be. I always wanted to do a podcast, so I just saw a chance to join, and that's why I'm here. Cool. Yeah. All right, Dave. Uh, we're gonna hop into this. So, okay. um, maybe to begin with, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background. And I mean, we know a little bit about like your <laughs> your kind of. Uh, origins i guess coming to med school but maybe just tell us a little bit more yeah um so uh, i mean once again my name is dave um i uh i went to gonzaga university and i'm also an m1 here also excited to be here and uh, i was actually accepted last year but i did the uh, masters in public health but um i guess the interesting part of my story is uh i'm also a cancer survivor so uh when i was 12 i was diagnosed with um acute lymphoblastic leukemia or all which is a kind of um common b or common um uh, pediatric uh cancer blood cancer so that's kind of what uh really triggered my my initial interest into medicine mm-hmm. now i want to hop into this a little bit more so yeah. Um, when, when did this all first like start happening? Like when did you start seeing first signs and symptoms? When was, uh, yeah. uh, So I was diagnosed when I was 12 years old, um, kind of, uh, on the cusp of like 12 to 13, which is, um, as I understand it now, like a little bit late for, uh, pediatric leukemia. Um, but, uh, basically what ended up happening when just to kind of, um, that led us to be suspicious was, uh, I was getting very tired and um, just sick very often. And um, I mean, this I didn't notice as much at the time, but like uh, I was also kind of bruising easily mm-hmm. and getting a lot of like, you know, cuts and scrapes, which is, you know, not too uncommon for kids. Um, so, you know, like not to like freak people out or anything. Um, but yeah, I just found myself getting like really tired and um, sick. And I remember I was like mowing the lawn at one point and then I just like, like couldn't keep going for a while and I just like had to like kind of stand for a little bit and I'm like this is very unusual uh so my parents took me to f- see our uh, family doc and um he noticed some spots on my chest and those were petechiae which mm-hmm. I'm sure you know uh so those are kind of um blood spots which are somewhat different than like an actual like normal skin rash which would normally kind of like blanch when you press on it but because it's like blood they don't blanch. So that's kind of indicative of like... Um, Something more serious is going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so they uh, ran a bunch of tests. Um, my doctor uh, had like full like PET scans of my brain going on. Um, a lot of like really intense tests um, in retrospect. But eventually I ended up in um, uh, getting admitted to Seattle Children's, which is shout out to Seattle Children's, great <laughs> hospital. Um, and, uh, they, uh, they ended up, um, diagnosing me with, uh, leukemia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your thoughts? Uh, I mean, 12 mm-hmm. years old, right? Yeah. Like what, 
I mean, what was your first thinking, like thoughts? Were you just like, oh man, I'm just feeling tired? And, <laughs> or were, did you kind of have kind of an inclination that maybe this is something a little bit more serious? I mean, it's interesting because I, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily, I mean, I, I think we, we often like kind of paint an idea mm-hmm. of like what things were and like build a more coherent story. I mean, I think I was, I thought like this was kind of unusual, but at the time I didn't really I think I was like still kind of dismissing it as like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just sick and tired and like maybe, you know, some, something's off, but it's not like too serious. Um, but yeah, like when, when they actually diagnosed me, um, I guess my, my thoughts were I had just learned what leukemia was in mm-hmm. health class in, in middle school. And so they, I mean, a, an entire team of doctors came in, um, which in retrospect, I think it was like, uh, it was probably like an attending and then like a bunch of med students or residents kind of mm-hmm. seeing what this discussion is like. And, um, and they came in and they're like, yeah, so you have leukemia? And I'm like, cool. <laughs> they're like, were you really though? Like the cool yeah. or were well, you just, I, mean, like, I was, I wasn't like too nonchalant about it, but I'm like, okay. Um, and they're like, oh, do you, do you know what that is? And I was like, yeah, it's when you, you know, make too many bad white blood cells and you can't make other stuff. And like, and because, you know, we kind of learned the basics of it. And I vaguely remember I, I learned that like the survival odds were like 80 to 90 percent. So like at that time, I wasn't worried about it, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting thing because like I don't, you know, like I, I guess as a kid, I didn't really think about like the the bad possibility. It's just like, yeah, 80 to 90 percent. Like that's a solid chance. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, That's interesting. Um so when you went home that day, did you just kind of carry on as normal? Like was this business as usual or did well, you just... Uh, I was not sent home that day. I ended okay. up staying in the hospital for quite a while after that. Um, it's it's a bit hazy immediately what happened, but I'm pre- I, I, I remember I was admitted for a while and I think they started chemotherapy at that time. Okay. Um, and I think... I don't know if this actually happened um, the first time I was admitted, but I do remember I was like, I I was there at the hospital for so long that I just got bored and I was like wandering around the halls. Mm. And um, <laughs> one of the like lab techs kind of waved me over and was like, hey, Dave, do you want to see your, you know, like take a look at your blood? And I'm like, yeah. So he like brings me to a microscope and I, I look at it and, and, you know, under the slide, he's like, yeah, this is what your blood looks like. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And he like changes the slide. He's like, this is what a normal blood sa- like <laughs> <laughs> sample is like. I'm like, oh, no, mine does not look like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just, the reason why I was kind of curious mm. as to that, um, so I uh, briefly lived in Germany for two years, yeah. right? And I had an experience with a, a cancer kind of um, mm. not not any relation to like right. me or family or anything like that, but um, maybe I'll just kind of paraphrase. Yeah. It was a family that basically, I was there doing kind of like a service type mm-hmm. thing, right? So this is a family that I really had no real connection to. Yeah. Um, it was like my first day in Germany, mm. actually, I barely spoke the language. Like yeah. I knew enough to kind of get by right. and this family invited us over and they gave us, like, they brought us in and they had cooked like this amazing meal. Mm. And it was like this dessert thing that was just like fantastic. And they just like kept throwing it on us. Right. And even being this American that barely mm. spoke enough German to kind of get by, like right. I could feel that something was a little bit off, mm-hmm. right? Something had would had happened in this family that day and um again like my limited knowledge of german kind of 
really kind of set the tone for the whole experience too, mm-hmm. because I, you could just understand parts of it. Right. And I remember the daughter, she had come down and we were having this meal and like mostly it was like mostly dessert. That's mm-hmm. what was funny about it. And and this has a meaning. I'll, I'll kind of explain it in just a second. Mm-hmm. But so we're enjoying this. And then the daughter left. She goes upstairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, my person that I was working with, he had been in Germany for a while. So he was experienced. He spoke the language very well. He hadn't really given me the details of what was mm-hmm. going on. And within the hour, this daughter came back and mm-hmm. she had shaved her head. Oh. And at that point it kind of struck me that there was something a little bit more serious going on and that yeah. this was more than just, you know, nice just a, meal, a nut. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out that this was her favorite dessert and oh. it was because they were very like, you know, trying to make the most of everything. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was the reason why I was curious as to yeah. what your first experience, like your reaction with your parents, like how did they approach this and try and. Yeah. I mean, that <clears throat> that's definitely a good question. Um, And I, I should have clarified, Um, you know, I was pretty, I mean, relatively nonchalant about it, but like my parents were very upset, um, mm-hmm. and, and they were they were there when when my when the doctors were speaking to us as well, and um, I think, I mean, I I, rem- I have a memory of like my parents kind of like crying, which I mean, like I had I had like never seen my dad cry either, and mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I don't think he was like sobbing, but it was like you know he, he, like both my parents were very emotional and. Um, uh, I, I, I guess like that was sort of what cued me a little bit into like possibly the gravity of the situation. Um, but at the same time, I think I had sort of like zoomed out to this like more, I guess, I don't know, like, like intellectual way of understanding of like, Mm -hmm. oh, I know what the science is rather than like what the next years of my life were going to look like. Mm -hmm. And, um, also as a kid, like, I, I don't, I mean, again, like I should clarify this from the you know, earlier on, early on, like, I'm not, I, I don't claim to speak on behalf of all cancer survivors either. Mm-hmm. Like, I, this is, you know, I, my experience is... It's not universal, yeah. Right. And and um, I was actually kind of one of the very fortunate ones in the grand scheme of things um, in terms of how my treatment went. But mm-hmm. um, uh, hopefully there might be some commonalities that resonate with people, but um, I, I can really only speak for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, 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 at the time, like, I don't think I really had too many thoughts on like, again, like the bad possibilities. Like it's just, I think I always kind of assumed I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I, you know, looking back, I'm, I, I, I can only imagine like how challenging it was for my parents just, um, cause it, it is a very, it, it's a very powerless feeling, right? Like, because mm-hmm. um, at least for me, I could like tough out like the treatment and kind of go to the hospital and do what I'm supposed to do. But um, my parents, like, you know, just had to watch me go through it, and mm-hmm. um, that's I think uh, in many ways like an even more difficult experience for some people. Yeah. Well, I, I have a question. Uh, yeah. Do you, did you know like the treatments that? you're going to undergo like any of the side effects or anything like that so i mean like as a kid i knew vaguely what cancer was and i think the same with a lot of people's understanding of what cancer is is like you know shaved head right like (laughs) i'm gonna go bald is like basically all i knew is like i'm I'm gonna go bald and i'm gonna throw up a lot Mm -hmm. and that was kind of all i knew Mm -hmm. um and you know to an extent that's true right like i i did go bald eventually and then i like definitely threw up a lot um, but there was, uh, there was a lot of little stuff that like they, you know, 
I would never have guessed, right? Like at one, I remember at one point, you know, uh, my um, my primary provider, um, like through the through the chemo, her name was um, Karen Brundage, and and she's a nurse practitioner and like the most amazing human being, mm-hmm. and um, and she uh, she you know did you know was just incredible in in like treating me, but at one point she was kind of like priming me what on what was going to happen, and she's like, yeah, so like you're gonna get these, you know chemo uh chemo therapeutics and she was very good about like walking us through what was going to happen like mm. in terms of like what i was going to get like i'm going to get um you know like i'm going to go to the hospital and then i'm going to get an iv place and i'm going to get a bunch of stuff go through mm-hmm. um but like she was also like yeah your fingernails are going to kind of like grow in like bands and i'm like oh. what do you mean <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's like yeah you're gonna kind of like get like a like a rainbow thing. I'm like, again, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And I guess it's because like... Rainbow fingernails. (laughs) Right, because like your your keratin like kind of... uh, Or like your your nails grow out from the bed and then like Mm -hmm. as the different chemo... Like chemotherapeutic agents like have an effect, like they, you know... Right, they affect like rapidly dividing cells. And Mm -hmm. so like it will kind of change the way your nail looks as it's growing out. So Mm -hmm. like as it's going out, like different layers will look different so you just have this like weird banding pattern yeah um and that was like i mean it's not in the grand scheme of things it's not like you know inhibiting my life right but it was like a good thing to get a heads up on so i'm not like what is happening right i mean i could imagine that being even more concerning if they didn't tell you that that you're just like oh my gosh look at my fingernails now like (laughs) cancer's getting worse yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly were there any other things that you thought were like that were good to have a heads up or, or that you were surprised about that you didn't kind of expect um i'm trying to think i i remember like I think my my providers are very good about like recognizing how the disease might have an impact on other aspects of my life, not mm-hmm. just like medically. Um, so just the fact that like I'm not able to participate in gym class, right? Mm-hmm. Like that can be an alienating alienating experience for some students. Like I mean, myself included, right? Like because everyone's like doing PE, and then like you're kind of off to the side, like the one sick kid, and um, you know. I think they briefed everyone at the school like, hey, FYI, like your your classmate's going to come back and he's like, you know, mm-hmm. going to be different, right? Like he's going to ha- like not have hair, like don't don't be, you know, like mean about it, I guess. But like, you know, I think kids are curious and like confused, right? Because that's like a lot to take in. Right. So I think people, you know, occasionally ask like, so like, why aren't you doing PE or like, why aren't you know, why aren't you at the gym or mm-hmm. um I mean, for the actually, like, one, shortly after starting um, chemo, like, I basically missed all of seventh grade. Um, <laughs> wow. Because I was so immunosuppressed that, like, I couldn't be around other people. Yeah. Um, so we just had, like, a teacher come in from, uh, from the school and just, like, kind of keep me up to date on stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just kind of came back. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Did they – what were, like, some of the reactions of your classmates? Like, were they – pretty receptive or you know was it kind of i I think i i don't remember anyone being like you know insensitive or anything like that insensitive about it um i think a lot of people were just curious Mm -hmm. um and for the most part like uh it i i my memory of it is like 
people became like extra nice to me, mm-hmm. which is like off-putting in its own way. And I'm not like I I, I don't want to complain about that either, right? Because like people right. are being kind and um, trying to be supportive. But uh, and again, like prefacing with like I only speak for myself and not all cancer patients or survivors. But like at a certain point, I kind of just wanted to be treated like a normal kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually really valued my my friends um, that I, I had made, you know, before I was diagnosed who, like, kind of continued to treat me in the same way, right? Like, mm-hmm. they um, were a little more gentle with me, but, like, they still kind of, like, ribbed me and, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, made, like, we, we teased each other. And it was just, like, norm- normal, like, normal, right? Yeah. Um, and it made me feel like uh, just not the sick kid. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of mentioned this a little bit that you kind of almost uh, intellectualized mm-hmm. what was going on. Yeah, was that kind of like your main coping strategy, or did you have other ones that you found, or what were the things that got you through day to day? Yeah, um, that's definitely my my go to uh, natural <laughs> coping mechanism, and um, I still kind of use it. Like I, I just kind of like step back and just like try to rationalize everything, um, which. You know, it can be good and not so good at a certain point, too, because, like, I have to process emotions at, a, at like, eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think that was my main way of dealing with it. And also just um, eventually, I think I, I dealt with it a lot more through just um, having it become the new normal, right? Mm-hmm. I think humans tend to be very adaptable. And um, after a while, like, even if you kind of recognize like things are different, like things just become routine, right? Like every month I go to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like every month and then every other month I got like a lumbar puncture. Mm-hmm. Most kids don't go through that. But yeah. like that's that was what was going on for me. Um, and uh, and like even just like taking pills, right? Mm-hmm. I remember like I was um, waiting for the school bus at one point and this is like later in high school and uh, one of the other students was talking about like complaining about like having to take like big vitamin pills mm-hmm. and she was like it's like so uncomfortable and I'm like I have to take like yeah. five <laughs> enormous <laughs> pills every day yeah, like, right. like shut your mouth <laughs> right what yeah. this is something people worry about yeah yeah um but then I, I it kind of reminded me like oh okay like this is not a you know uh little things that everyone goes through um and and they eventually just kind of become normal right like and Mm -hmm. you learn to deal with it um not to say that it's not challenging but it's just like you adjust Mm -hmm. i guess were there what was i mean in my mind i'm kind of imagining chemo as the worst aspect of it but (laughs) was that the worst aspect or were there other things that were just like your least favorite things about the whole treatment it's i mean it's interesting because like i don't i often i actually don't talk about like my my treatment period that much and i'm not sure if that's because i like don't like thinking about it or just Mm -hmm. like it again like it just became the routine right like right it sucks to be nauseous all the time but that's just kind of the way it was and um and yeah the chemo definitely you know was awful and like the 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 nausea was like um very challenging um i again like you do get used to it and you um kind of learn to kind of center yourself and like be aware of it and then keep yourself from going too far but um in i remember in middle school i was in uh in spanish class and we were taking a test and i 
just suddenly got an overwhelming wave of nausea and I just turned around and threw up on myself and oh. I was mortified. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, like all my stu- all my classmates were very kind and like, you know, uh, were like taking care of me. And, and like, you know, the, one of the teachers t- took me out to like the office and, and got me cleaned up. But I was like just apologizing profusely. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm grateful that no one would like made fun of me for that afterward but like it was just kind of this moment of like oh my god I can't believe that happened and um I guess like just like in that regard like how it affected um interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. and and um kind of like my own development I think that was like challenging and and particularly afterward kind of like figuring out what you know life is going to be like right and kind of how I deal with this like part of my past and um if I talk about it if I'm open about it or like you know if I just kind of like bury it and let it let it be um kind of figuring that out was like another kind of challenge in its own right well yeah I I I mean so you sent me a couple of things earlier and you kind of talked a little bit about this about how we have these labels that we've kind of attached right. to ourselves. And one of the labels that you kind of mm-hmm. speak freely about is this idea of being the cancer survivor, yeah. right? And then kind of using that to identify, but also hating kind of that identity that gets attached right. with it, right? Like yeah. it, it's very constrictive, but at the same time, it's very yeah. um, central to almost your core of, of your experience right. of what makes you you. Yeah. But how does... uh how like in that moment like mm. you probably weren't thinking like oh i'm mm. gonna you know gonna be a survivor versus right. whatever what how did you i guess how did you forecast or mm. or think like okay what's the future gonna hold for me yeah it's a really good question um i i mean i think at the time i wasn't thinking too hard about it and um because i was still with a lot of the same people from middle school that like knew what was up. I didn't have to like explain extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as I like finished chemotherapy and like I, I, you know, tried to ease myself back into normal life. Like I, I think the main focus I developed was like kind of rebuilding myself like physically. And that, I think that was a big part of how I ended up coping is like really going all into like just, um, like pushing myself like Mm -hmm. I I joined like swim team for a little bit I did like martial arts and like tricking which is like um like kind of extreme martial arts that has like absolutely no 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 practical use (laughs) but it looks cool cool and it's like a lot of things yeah Um, nothing wrong with that (laughs) yeah uh did that and then like I got into like break dancing and just Mm -hmm. like stuff that like I partially like I saw other people doing and I thought it was so cool but also just like getting really into like uh pushing myself and like proving to myself that like I'm not just the sick kid anymore like I'm not I'm gonna be like I guess in in that sense like I'm gonna be a survivor like and I'm Mm -hmm. gonna like try to move uh onto the next step and like and kind of um start fresh yeah almost I mean you correct me if I'm wrong it almost kind of sounds like it's not a perfect example but it's like the first one that came to my mind but almost like an Ebenezer Scrooge moment where you're like okay I have the second chance at life (laughs) right right? yeah yeah. you there what day is it yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it's not a perfect example but it it, but it it kind of almost seems like that right like just having this chance to Mm -hmm. kind of restart rebuild and really kind of appreciate everything Mm -hmm. that we take for granted all the time like I do it all the time I mean I mean part of it it's uh 
you think you're going to live forever. You think there's mm-hmm. always going to be tomorrow. So yeah. it's like you're not really grateful for all the things that you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I bet you appreciate your like friends that kind of stuck by you yeah. a lot more now because of that experience mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe if you didn't. But mm-hmm. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely do. Like, I really value all of my friendships that like, you know, that have helped, you know, helped me through. And I like actually just um, went to a wedding of, of one of my friends um, mm-hmm. over the summer. Um, my friend Scott Chukin, shout out. What's <laughs> uh, <laughs> up, so, Scott? Yeah, hey. Scott and, uh, <laughs> and my other friend, Uni, um, Unikahara, who's uh, also a good friend. And so we... We were kind of like the main, um, like the three stooges, mm-hmm. as our uh, <laughs> freshman science teacher called us. Um, and just like having those people like stick by me, right? And and um, uh, just keep me grounded and, and, and kind of feel like a human being, like mm-hmm. through that process has definitely like been an irrepa- irreplaceable kind of like relationship in my life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... It's definitely sound. It's a definitely uh, a very transformative moment for mm-hmm. sure for you. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned that even today kind of have impacted how you've gone forward? Um, I mean, I guess like I often kind of go back to you know like empathy, right? Mm-hmm. Grounding myself into that um, experience, and uh, especially when I was like working as a scribe in the emergency department or you know rheumatology and like certain patients would be more, you know, uh, like, uh, disagreeable about like continuing treatments or like, wouldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, like go with whatever, you know, the quote unquote plan was like, I, I would find myself getting frustrated from like, I guess like the clinical standpoint, which Mm I had, I hadn't really been in. Um, but then I kind of like had to step back and like remind myself like, Oh, I've, I haven't been in that person's exact situation, but like I know what it feels like to kind of just be in the hospital for days and just want to go home, just want to have like, you know, good hot food again. And um, just like hospitals are cold and Mm -hmm. and just like a lot of little things and remind myself like a lot of people are there just like on their worst, some of their worst days of their lives and um, recognizing like, okay, I don't know exactly what they're going through, but um, I can, I, I, I've been in a similar situation and, and I can kind of like imagine like this, I would not respond well in this situation either. Mm-hmm. So like kind of recognizing that a, it's not like, it's not about me, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're not being, being mean just to like be mean to me or like my colleagues, but, um, just recognizing that they are in a challenging position and kind of recognizing like what that might, what those little things might be. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I literally just came out of a meeting where we were kind of discussing something similar where mm-hmm. they were talking about. Um, so the perspective that patients have, and they also were contrasting how sometimes our language mm-hmm. influences yeah. kind of this. So they were talking about this idea of in medicine, oftentimes it's a very mm-hmm. aggressive, almost like, you know, yeah. I'm a fighter or I'm a survivor, right, right. almost very, almost uh warlike or connotation mm. right like oh, it's yeah. a battle yeah. but then how certain patients that doesn't resonate with them like that right. doesn't make mm-hmm. sense they're not fighting a mm-hmm. battle so to speak then right. instead they're just dealing with it or right. enduring it or right. um trying to make the best of the, a situation yeah. and, and so that that is kind of an, an interesting perspective to, to have that empathy and to to realize that yeah. that your thoughts may not be what they're <laughs> like right exactly feeling um, how, what have been some of the biggest takeaways that you've kind of tried to, I mean, obviously empathy is a huge for, right. as a, 
a physician in training. Yeah. Have there been any other things that were that you've taken that you've kind of applied to your pursuit of being a doctor? Um, I think, well, one of the other aspects of it, and um, I haven't really touched on this part of the story either, and um, I don't, I, I, I want to, you know, respect my friend's privacy as well, um, but because uh, I, I haven't, like, you know, asked for her permission to, like, talk about this part of it, but um, so after high school and, and I got into college, like, I actually um, met another survivor um, mm. who... Uh, who also had ALL and like, you know, went through a lot of the same treatments and went to the same hospital and all of that. And um, we became pretty good friends. And later on, uh, she had a recurrence and I um, had to kind of, I I watched that from the outside and she's doing okay now, um, thank goodness. But like, uh, just kind of being on that side of it, like not even like the clinical side of it, but just like more the not even caregiver, but just like the outsider's perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like, again, that sense of powerlessness, like watching what that feels like and, and kind of like how that impacts someone and like their family, right? And watching deterioration from the outside, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, it, how different that perspective is. Um, getting a respect, for, getting an appreciation for that, I think has also helped um, me empathize with, more with like patients' families mm-hmm. um, because it is uh it's one thing like because when i was going through chemo right like i changed a lot right i i i got i had to take prednisone and like steroids and and you know so i was like you know getting like uh i was nauseated uh and so i lost all my hair i got puffy and kind of like cushing void features <laughs> from like the steroids so i got like you know puffy moon face and and right. like you know um uh, I didn't quite get a buffalo hump, but like it was, it was not a you know attractive look by any means. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right? um, but not your, yeah. not your peak. <laughs> no, <laughs> for sure not. Um, and so like the, those were um, uh, like, but I, I had time to uh, like adjust myself to that because I, I see myself in the mirror like every morning, and like it's kind of a gradual thing. But watching it like every month or so when you're catching up with someone like. And yeah. seeing how that affects someone or, you know, watching a patient, like, deteriorate every time they come into the ER or, like, into your office, like, and seeing, like, remembering what they were like when they came in. Like, yeah. it is a very kind of, like, I don't know, like, a, just a, a otherworldly experience. It's, like, it's very, like, oh, my God, is this the same person and yeah. what what happened, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um. But your friend's doing well now. Yeah, she's okay. she's doing very well. Um, <laughs> Didn't like, want to leave. Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's uh, yeah, she got a dual cord blood transplant, um, which is uh, I had I had never heard of, um, but it was uh, very like um, she. It's basically a treatment where they take stem cells from two umbilical cord blood donors um, with different kind of matched. Uh, like HLA types, yeah, 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 typing, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yay, we're gonna learn about that. We, yeah, MHC class, yeah. Um, but yeah, the um, a lot of those antigen, you know, um, matching. So like they, uh, and kind of throw them at the wall and see which one sticks, basically. Um, and uh, so yeah, she, it's kind of cool. She she celebrates like the birth date of her her new bone marrow every oh. every year too, and she's doing quite well. Um, as last time I checked, so. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of a cool thing, like uh, to create a new tradition. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about uh, what are some of the things that um, the 
you felt like the physicians didn't understand or didn't explain to you very well? Like what were some of the things that you maybe wish that physicians would have known or would have done? Right. Um, I think honestly, a lot of it just had to do more with time and like, like especially FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, when you were talking about like, you know, physicians and their language, right. I was trying to think back into examples that I might think of where like maybe some language rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't quite remember specific examples, but I, I do like from my recollection, like I only remember one of the actual doctors that took care of me mm. and he was my anesthesiologist. <laughs> like, oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and so, cause like I would just see him every time cause like initially they would like, you know, do conscious sedation on me when they would do um, LPs when lumbar, mm-hmm. bun- lumbar punctures, thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so like I would see him like every month or every other month. And so like, and he was just a very like calming, like compassionate presence. And so like, I, I just remember that more than anything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, the other physicians that took care of me, I just kind of have a general sense of like rushed, br- like brusqueness, right? Mm-hmm. They'd be like in, tell us what they needed to tell us. And then like they'd go out and then like the nurses would like take over and actually like kind of talk to me like I'm a person. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, and, and, and like I, the way I'm putting this, it's it, it makes it odd that like I'm now choosing to become a doctor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think... You know, part of it is just like I I would like to kind of um, you know Im- implement a lot more of like what mm-hmm. what I wish I'd seen, mm-hmm. um, and it's challenging now, particularly like kind of understanding it more from the systemic perspective, like recognizing that doctors aren't really incentivized to spend a whole lot of face time with their patients, or sometimes they right. they have a lot of other patients to take care of, right? Right, and so they can't just like sit and chill with their patients, but just like even having little moments of like asking like how's school or like how are your friends right and just like getting um just a reminder outside of the hospital I think would have been really helpful in terms of just like having a moment of connection yeah and um and making that kind of stand out more um one of the things I remember a lot of the nurses doing for me and and this is something I try to do every time I like volunteered at hospitals uh, is when I would ask for a blanket, they would always bring me two warm blankets mm-hmm. um, because uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a, like stayed in a hospital as a patient, like it's cold. Mm. The blankets are like paper thin. Uh, yeah, they're like a <laughs> like micrometer thin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like they lose heat immediately. Yep. So um, yeah, they would always bring me two. And it was just like this little gesture mm-hmm. that like conveyed like I, I, I've been in, I've been there or I understand kind of what you're going through and like just a little anticipation on like what you might need. And, and that, that was just like, you know, that meant the world to me at that time. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to hop back on, uh, maybe a couple of other things that mm-hmm. we've kind of touched on it, this idea of labels. Yeah. What labels do you apply to yourself and that you hate mm-hmm. like they're just like oh i hate this label but it's it's part of me you know yeah i've gone back and forth on cancer survivor um and i and i have difficulty kind of um using it for myself and i think there's some shift within the like patient and you know cancer patient community on like should we call ourselves survivors or thrivers and like mm-hmm. and um you know what connotations do these thing terms have um i I I don't know like I don't have a strong preference but I I feel like 
there's like a part of me that's a little uncomfortable when like someone or even like I tell someone like I'm a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like almost easier for me to say like, oh, I had cancer when I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. that's just a thing that happened. Um, and again, like this is just me too. Um, I'm I'm ultimately proud of the fact that I, I'm a cancer survivor, but um, I think a lot of what makes me uncomfortable about it is kind of the implication of not everyone survives, right? Right. And recognizing that not everyone's lucky, and I have seen other patients um, stop showing up to, you know, clinic, right? And um, I've, you know, seen other patients, like other kids, um, not make it. And, like, that's... Uh, that's like a challenging reminder, right? Just being mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm here, but like other people weren't as lucky. And and I think that's the main thing that I get tripped up on is like, okay, I don't want to be like boastful about this. Right. Um, and, and I think there is some power to like, you know, advocating on behalf of those, you know, like some, some issues as, as like, you know, uh, for, for you know, by using that title, right? Like Mm -hmm. kind of being like, hey, um, I've been in the situation and like this has given me framing to like give some credibility to what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And like so in terms of advocacy of like how we treat our patients, how we treat, you know, kind of one another in society, like I think it's helpful and important, but it I also um, feel uncomfortable kind of wielding it like um, in that way. Like, there was a moment where I was like, do I put this as part of, like, my Instagram thing? It's, like, such Mm. a little thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, um, is this, like, the first thing I want people to know about me when they, like, see me or whatever my, like, you know, online persona is, right? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I kind of, like, I I left it up there when I, like, was doing St. Baldrick's just to, like, help push that along. Yeah. But then, like, I took it off because I was like, I don't want this to be, like the thing that follows me around. I want this to be something that I, I have control over, like, you know, disclosing to other people. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I say that and I'm like talking about this on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, like it is something that I, I, I kind of like. And, and at least for me, sometimes it's like more liberating to just have literally everyone know like that that happened and then just get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel somewhat uncomfortable using that particular label um, because of, like, some of the implications it has for, I mean, for me personally. Yeah. Maybe just for our <laughs> listeners who are unaware, because he, he mentioned St. Baldrick's Day mm-hmm. or St. Baldrick's. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's foundation. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a foundation that's basically, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a specific to any sort of subtype of cancer or anything like it's that. Mostly it's mostly just, just childhood pediatric cancers. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they'll often do fundraisers where they'll have uh, people come in and opt to shave their heads willingly and, uh, and collect donations and things like that. So yep. just for it's a lot listeners. of fun. And uh, yep, check it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you uh, do you feel that um, because part of me thinks back on my own kind of like experiences. Everyone has certain right. moments in their lives that seem to kind of shape their core right. and kind of yeah. create things, mm-hmm. and they do seem to be one of those things that you're not necessarily proud to talk about mm-hmm. but it's you you know that it's important to talk right, about right it's um, a part of you yeah. right um having gone through those do you feel that i guess i'm, I'm trying to formulate this question mm-hmm. as i'm yeah, going no, you're, you're good. what is uh 
I don't know. Do you have kind of this bittersweet relationship with it? I guess. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Um, it it's. Uh, I mean, I've I've kind of offhandedly mentioned this, but like it's it's one of those things where like it's a thing that happened, yeah. and like again, like I would kind of sometimes prefer to get it out of the way as like a formality, right? Yeah. Um, because a lot of because like I I think it's less the experience itself and more like um kind of the unpredictability or or sometimes predictability of other people's responses to it and um some people kind of like go with deference right immediately mm-hmm. they're just like i'm sorry right and i'm and like it's like impu- in- instinctive and i i appreciate the you know empathy and i'm like i'm not you know i'm not saying this to get pity i'm just like this is like it's something just, you need to know to like know the rest of the, <laughs> yeah. the rest of the story right exactly right. um and uh and kind of like not wanting like a simple fact to like be the thing that has other people treat me differently. Yeah. Um, and that might be, you know, that's like my own perception of it too. Right. I think like generally people, you know, I, I like a lot of the times I will like mention it to like friends I've hung out for, with for like years. Right. And they're like, Oh, right. That's a thing that happened to you. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, which like, I actually prefer it. It's like a very reassuring thing to know that like, that's not the way they see me. Yeah, they don't define right. you by that label exactly. anymore. They see you as something more. Yeah, yeah. And like and I can just be Dave instead of like Can't Cancer Dave. Kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah, worst superhero name all of all time. <laughs> like um and so like that's yeah, it, it is this bittersweet uh relationship because like on the one hand it also like again gives credibility to things I say, whether I like deserve it or not. And like some, I think people treat things with like more importance when they, it's like backed with this thing. Mm -hmm. So kind of um, not wanting to abuse that, right? Like to take advantage of it. Um, Oh, this is a, (laughs) this made me feel gross, but like, um, because I was doing a a special master's program um, before I came here uh, to kind of help get into medical school. Um, and so a lot of my classmates in that program were like other students trying to get into medical school. And mm-hmm. one of them at one point I, I was like, you know, talking about it because I think I was like pretty open about about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, like if, if I were you, like I would talk about that like every chance I get mm-hmm. and like in every interview. Play and I'm the cancer just, card. Like, right, exactly. Playing the cancer card. And I'm Writing just like. Writing essay secondary. <laughs> yeah. And like I talked about it in my essays, but. Because that was like part of, they asked me like, why do you want to be a doctor? I'm like, well, I spend a lot of time in hospitals and you should probably know why, (laughs) right? Um, And so like just kind of, you know, that little moment of like, oh, some people see it in this way as like something to be like used and almost like like envious of right Mm -hmm. like i like i wish i had something like this to talk about right like something you know like really big which like i mean you you probably don't like i I don't recommend this experience to anyone it's like zero out of five yelp like stars on (laughs) right like i and so i it, it it's it's this weird thing where like i know it it can have certain power in terms of like having other people kind of like you know respond in like a uh you know like deferential way but like Mm -hmm. i don't want to play that card all the time right right yeah so um kind of going along the lines of that Mm -hmm. um have you ever had an experience where like you met someone Mm -hmm. uh you've been with them for a while and then they found out that you had cancer and Mm -hmm. they kind of saw you a little differently Mm -hmm. uh maybe treated you a little differently or um i'm not sure because i 
You, I usually talk about it pretty early on, oh, okay. and um, just get it out of there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, <laughs> like I had cancer. Like, get yep, over this it. This <laughs> happened, right? Yeah. Um, there's always like a moment, right, mm-hmm. where like people kind of fumble and they're not quite sure how to respond. Mm-hmm. And I get it, right? Like it's a weird thing. And like if I when I talk to other survivors, like I'm a bit awkward too, right? Because like again, I speak for myself, but mm-hmm. I don't know what other people prefer in. In terms right. of how they want that to be addressed, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just kind of, you know, like we're learning interview skills now, and you know, <laughs> in PCM or patient-centered medicine, uh, and like, and they suggest opening, you know, starting with open-ended questions, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you want to talk about this, or like, or or you know, like, um, like, okay, well, I think like a lot, a lot of, uh, I think the like most common like. Um, like I guess quote unquote like good response or like neutral mm-hmm. response I get is like well thank you for sharing that with me and like mm-hmm. yeah I, I appreciate that just like an acknowledgement and then like we can move forward and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, get to the like actual point of what I was trying to say um, and so yeah I think people have an initial reaction where they're just like again like oh I'm sorry or like mm-hmm. kind of like having like a like a kind of a pity vibe or, mm-hmm. or again like maybe I'm I'm projecting that too. Um, but like, that's kind of how I, I, how I, you know, feels to me. And so like, and, and, and it's not like them being, you know, malicious or anything, right? Like they're not right, like, trying right. to, you know, be mean or anything or, or just like, you know, or look down on me, but it's like, is this like, no, like it's, it's okay. Like it's been years, like literally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just a, it's a thing that happened. It sucked, but like, you know, it's, it's, uh, just a part of my past, like you were saying, yeah Josh. So, um. Yeah, yeah. I people treat me differently initially, but I think over time they like you know kind of readjust and then they get back to the point of like most people. I think mm-hmm. once they get close to me, they're just like, oh right, that that's a thing that's a part of you. But you know, we can move forward. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to yeah. um, hear pediatric cancer yeah. versus uh, you know someone who's much older. Right, I feel right. like because there's so much potential as you as a child. Yeah. Um, I mean, even you talked about how. Uh, you saw some of the kids not really mm. make it through this cancer. And right. that's really hard, I feel like, on a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I mean, I personally have not known anyone with mm. cancer myself. Right. But even more so, like, kind of sitting across from someone who survived a pediatric mm. cancer, that's, I... You know, my initial response is I don't know how to re- react to that. Yeah, and but, that's okay. Um, like, if you're just like open about it. Too, yeah, right? but like, I mean, I mean, if like it. the fact that you're open mm-hmm. about it helps me to be open about okay. it, right? Yeah. Um, because if you're closed about it, I feel like it would be awkward for me. Right. Yeah. And and I think that can be challenging when people are like a little more uncomfortable or still mm-hmm. kind of processing that, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think generally in that case, just like you know, you ask them like if that's something you, they want to pursue or like, mm-hmm. or the, you know, they want to talk about. And if mm-hmm. they're like, no, like, all right, we'll move along. Like, yeah. thanks for sharing that. Um, but yeah, like, it's just, uh, I think it, it, it's very dependent on like the, the people. Um, mm-hmm. But I do appreciate that. Like, you know, my openness is making this less off. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that's well, great. Uh, <clears throat> not to bring up something that might give you anxiety or anything <laughs> like that, but I'm kind of curious. Uh-huh. Do you, ever have lingering fears that maybe something might rear its head again yes uh i mean actually less so now um and i and i talked about this in one of the things i i sent you but Mm -hmm. um so uh basically like i like 
having cancer kind of like makes you really hyper aware of little things. Mm -hmm. And even as I was kind of describing like the initial symptoms I had when, when I was having, you know, before I was diagnosed, right? Like easy bruising and feeling tired are very nonspecific. Yeah. And like, just yeah. because you have those, like does not mean you have cancer. But like when you've already kind of gone through that and you, you know, you think of that as a possibility in the back of your head. Um, I think it really, uh, at least for me, like it really escalated little things I would notice, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. particularly in my body. Like if I, you know, um, like I was, for a longest time, I was like very aware of like bruises on fingernails and toenails because yeah. that's how my friend um, found out about her recurrences. Like mm -hmm. that's that's kind of one of the big signs. And so like uh, I think I like stubbed my nail at some point. I'm like, oh no! But like <laughs> yeah. it's like I jammed it in a car door. Like of course that's gonna happen. Right. Like, oh, um, or just like you know uh, like. Um, like, like assessing how you feel at the end of the day if you're feeling yeah. extremely tired or anything right like that. exactly yeah. and just like uh, and just having your brain go to that that place right like it's kind of like you know just having it directly wired to WebMD right like no matter what you crank in they're <laughs> yeah. just gonna say like you got cancer you got yeah. cancer like, um, <laughs> cancer yeah and so like it, and even just like lifestyle stuff right mm -hmm. like um, knowing that certain behaviors and like you know predispose like it increase your risk for cancer right and mm -hmm. like not wanting to repeat that mm. um and so like uh this got a little bit sidetracked but like so when i was going through the grad school program um the uh, smp um special master's program i i actually found a, a tumor like on my uh groin and like mm. that was um not a fun experience because uh, it was like um and it's weird because my initial reaction was like annoyance i'm mm -hmm. like oh god not this again yeah um and and it was like uh, I I didn't want to assume the worst, right? And mm -hmm. like, and I kind of had to temper that, but it was really hard not to jump to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, can, and, I mean, that would be my reaction, right? <laughs> I think normal people when they find a yeah. new lump, they're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, just kind of like going to the doctor and like, you know, again, like I have a tendency to rationalize. So I'm just like, yeah, so. Um, it's firm, uh, non-tender, and yeah. like, and I was like using clinical terms yeah. because I'm like to help him understand it more. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I uh, want you to understand what right, I'm going through. Yeah. Um, and like, but at the same time, we got inside just being like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like this is like you know the same stuff all over again, right. and. Um, it turned out like, like spoiler alert, like it, it turned out to be benign. Thank oh, goodness. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it took uh, several months of testing to actually get to that point. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting navigating the healthcare system as an adult as compared to like being a kid, right? Where there's a lot of like the background stuff, like mm -hmm. paying bills, dealing with insurance companies, like, you know, figuring out like what, like what fits in my schedule and like what mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be doing next. Like, uh, having that taken care of by my parents to like, oh, now I have to do all of this now. And like, yeah, feeling the full brunt of right. everything yeah. that's going on. Yeah. yeah. And like, it was a very eye opening experience just like, cause you know, I worked in healthcare. I've spent years, you know, mm -hmm. in the patient or in the hospital as like a patient and like, you know, uh, just, I mean, as like a fly in the wall on the clinical side. Mm -hmm. And even then, like, I just, I had, it was a very overwhelming experience and, like, just recognizing, like, how challenging that can be even when it's, like, the best of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
was really just um again like eye-opening because like i i was like i have like every luxury of just like i literally go to school right next to the hospital because like <laughs> yeah. it's a medical school <laughs> um so like i can just walk there uh but it's still like a hassle to like find time out of your day to like sit there and wait sometimes mm-hmm. they're like running an hour or two behind and you just like sit there and just like make small talk with the people around you or like mm-hmm. try to study anki while you're just like yeah. sitting there right <laughs> um and yeah just like going through that and so like it yeah this hyper awareness just like always buzzing in the back of my head like would really went into overdrive at that time mm-hmm. um and it was like it was more the uncertainty than anything right like at a certain point i just wanted to know like if it's one way or the other so i can yeah. plan my life around that but just like not knowing and like you know applying and interviewing for jobs and not knowing if i'm gonna like be on chemo by the time i actually get to work this like it was a very uh just difficult experience yeah <clears throat> is there is there a some anything practical mm-hmm. that you kind of do like every day to kind of uh help you to get over the anxiety because i know you're yeah. in, also in medical schools and <laughs> yes. i'm sure that like adds uh, on <laughs> top right, of that right. right there's like extra layers of anxiety yeah. that just like kind of yeah i mean it's kind of reassuring at a certain point right i have like so much other stuff to worry about right. than like this other stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have to cancer is like it. second thing. right <laughs> exactly um i mean part of it i think has just been like time right like it's been mm-hmm. long enough at this point that like I'm still aware of stuff and like I'm still like very attuned to like stuff that's going on with mm-hmm. me but I'm like less worried about you know the big C at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. knock on wood yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like uh, but uh, in terms of like practical things I do um, I you know I meditate like mm-hmm. um, I don't do it as often now but like uh, I did uh, you know some like mindfulness exercises mm-hmm. um, I got years of therapy and I'm like mm-hmm. very happily open about that. Cause like that mm-hmm. was very helpful in terms of just like talking things through and mm-hmm. like getting an outside neutral perspective on like how, you know, like how I'm kind of like my, like my personal habits, like you were noting, like, you mm-hmm. know, my tendency to rationalize, mm-hmm. right. Like mm-hmm. just being aware of that and having that in the back of my head and recognizing that I, I do have to process some things mm-hmm. at a certain point and just, getting an idea of like what helps right like um mm-hmm. for me like talking things out it is really liberating and helpful for me so mm-hmm. like talking to friends talking to literally apparently like all the <laughs> listeners of <Medicus>, um <laughs> like that uh that helps me personally because like that's kind of a way to i don't know take power away from the the i guess yeah, to anxiety. Get control and yeah. To, yeah i understand that um are there we want to be respectful of everyone's yeah. time, so um, we'll probably wrap up. But maybe mm-hmm. is there anything kind of like last words that you'd want to to share? How about this, actually? Yeah. Here, how, yeah. uh, understanding where you're at now, okay. what would you tell yourself at the beginning of your your therapy session, your chemotherapy? Mm. Like, what would you want yourself, your your younger self, to know? Oh. I mean, honestly, like <laughs> I think I've really just come to terms with like everything that happened. Like, mm-hmm. I would just kind of you know reassure him like don't worry like it's just i mean this is very cliche but like it's gonna work out for Mm -hmm. you and it's gonna like become a more um uh like just it's gonna be a growing experience and it's Mm -hmm. gonna be very challenging at the time but like you you are going to become a very 
just um, a more capable and, you know, like it's going to help you in the end and it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, one last anecdote, like even when I was actually um, interviewing here, um, uh, one of my interviewers asked me, like, do you ever worry about like um, connecting too much to your patients, like just mm. with your with your history? And I'm like, yeah, I worry about it all the time. But I think it's also become like a superpower for me. And I think as long as I'm aware of like um, letting that go too far or like kind of, you know, letting, you know, myself like ignore taking care of myself Mm -hmm. i think like it's become such a powerful asset in terms of like you know if not understanding what people are going through just like having the humility to like just sit there and kind of learn and like and listen to what people are going or or people's experiences are and what they're actually what their needs are and Mm -hmm. and i think that has become like the most uh useful asset for me in, in in you know in the medical field and um, so yeah, I think I would just let them know like it's gonna be all right, and um, you're gonna, you know, become a better person for this. Yeah, sounds awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for coming in and right. sharing this. This is awesome. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, and I guess we'll call that a wrap. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relationship is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.